Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. This is amazing. I've got to tell you, I was tearing up before in the worship, just hearing you guys praying, reaching out for God. I don't know about you, I don't know if I'm the only one who's excited to see hundreds of young people in 2021 hungry for Jesus, finding faith, moving forward. I've got to tell you, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. It really is. And um, if you're a part of Highway Church, I just, I just want you to know how good you've got it. Do you know you've got it good? Do you know, just, just have a look at this. Do you know that this is completely, your normal is completely abnormal? What you're standing in is a miracle. Despite everything going on in our world, our nation right now, but there are hundreds of young people tonight hungering after Jesus with full abandon. Come on, I don't know, if that doesn't put a spring in your step, if that doesn't get you excited, man, I don't know what will. Come on, can we thank God for what He's doing at Highway Church tonight? It's awesome. going to take a moment before we get into the Word and, and we're going to preach and God's going to do great things tonight, but we've got to take a moment to honour your senior pastors. Come on, Pastors Byron and Anne for what is, I don't know where you guys are, but this is an amazing church. It's strong, it's healthy. I, I love the hunger for the presence of God in your people. And um, I literally met Pastor Byron and Anne about 10 minutes ago. It's been an incredible 10 minutes. And um, but you, you know how I already know them? It's because I can see all of their spiritual children. I can see the DNA that's in this house and it's incredible. And you are just an amazing couple. Thank you for your labor, for what you built, for what you've sacrificed for decades on end that we might step into revival tonight. Can we just honor your, your pastors and thank them? planted our church, Nova Church, two and a half years ago. And I tell you, there's been a cost to be paid. But I can't even imagine the cost that would have come with 20 years or more of faithful ministry, just decade on decade of service to God. So we just love you and we honour you tonight. And I'm really grateful um, to be speaking tonight. And it's, it's an awesome honour and a privilege. Come on, we give it up one more time for your pastors. And... It's awesome. Well, why don't you take a, a minute or two, grab a seat. Go and find your seat. Fantastic. Wow. Just turn the person next to you and tell them, this is really good. I think as well, it would be very appropriate to thank all of our youth leaders, youth pastors, who've just been serving this week. What an amazing youth ministry is happening here. It's crazy. Who loves the smell of teenagers? Who knows, you know, church isn't a real church till it smells like armpit, in my opinion. Come on, may, may the church never be devoid of teenage stink. That's what I say. You know you're in a good church when it smells like a good church. I gotta tell you, it smells like a good church in here. It's great. It's fantastic. Just uh, 
Turn the person next to you, give them a sniff. Just say, you smell good today? That's good. <laughs> hey, if it's your first time at Highway Church, I want to take a minute and welcome you. Let's just welcome anybody who's visiting for the first time tonight. So glad you're here. And... Uh, you're going to have a great night in the house of God. This is church, and, uh, and we're going to have a good time together. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sam. I am from the greatest city in Australia, in our nation, Adelaide, South Australia. And I know no one agrees with me, that's fine. I was actually, I was actually teaching uh, your youth pastor that people from Adelaide are the only ones who speak English properly in our country. Um, and so it's, it's, we have a, a, an old regal English in our state that goes back a long way. So we're just, we're, we're trying to teach you guys how to say things properly. It's been, a, it's been a difficult few days with Dan and Poppy, just we're getting through it though. So nah, uh, we love it. And uh, so we're from Adelaide, South Australia. Grew up actually in a country town called Murray Bridge, which is about an hour and a half uh, out of Adelaide. It's a place where teeth and shoes are optional extras. It's crazy. And uh, we, we pioneered a youth ministry uh, out there. We did that together, me and my wife, uh, for five years. And it's had the privilege of seeing a move of God among the teenagers of that city, hundreds of young people coming to Christ, generational issues broken, radical decisions for Jesus. Uh, you know, discipleship for us was leading people to Jesus and also teaching them how to drive, you know, at the same time. And uh, that's what every good youth pastor does. But we loved it. And uh, we moved to Adelaide, uh, well, about four years ago now. And uh, we've been leading Youth Alive there for four years. And we just planted a church uh, called Nova Church two and a half years ago. We've got a family of, well, we've got three kids. We've got a four-year-old. His name is Gabriel Blaze. And we've got two twins, Leo and Shiloh. They are two and a half years old. They were born uh, two months after we planted our church. So as if we weren't crazy enough, we decided to have a couple of, pump out a couple of babies. That's them as their newborns. They were the same size then, but now everybody thinks that Leo, that's the one on the right, our little boy, is the twin with our four-year-old, because he's literally the biggest two-year-old you've ever seen in your life. He looks like he ate his twin. <laughs> he is absolutely huge. And uh, he's a total bruiser. And Shiloh, our little princess, is just gorgeous. And that's our little family. That's who I'm missing to be here with you tonight. So if we're going to do this tonight, we've got to have a move of God. Otherwise, it's not worth it. Come on, somebody. So, uh, but my wife says hi and says her love. And uh, my little kids would do that too if they knew how. Uh, but they don't. So just please pray for their salvation particularly our daughter. She's two years old and we're concerned. So we need, we need some prayer. She's, she's wild, man. She's, she's, she got the full Sam Long jeans in one child. It's like the other two really nice. Shiloh, she, she's wild. She's a wild girl. She's strong-willed. So pray for my daughter. Okay. I want to preach a message to you tonight called How to Know You're Living in Faith. How to Know That You're Living in Faith. Well, one of my favorite faith moments, I think all-time faith moments in all of Scripture, right, has got to be Peter walking on the water. There's got to be no greater story outside of the resurrection in the New Testament than Peter walking on water. I want to read to you Matthew chapter 14, 26 to 30. Now, I do want to warn you that when we read famous stories like this, sometimes we approach these stories already thinking God's spoken everything to us ahead of time. But who knows that the Word of God is alive and active and that every time we approach His Word, He speaks to us exactly what we need in the moment that we need it. So let's come with faith today and expectation that God's gonna speak to us by His Word. And someone said, Amen. Okay, Matthew 14, 26 to 30. Let's read this together. 
When the disciples saw him, and it's speaking of Jesus, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Let's pray together before we get into the word today. Father, we just thank you today that your word is powerful, that it's alive, that it's active, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, we pray that your word would go forward in power tonight. That, Lord, it wouldn't be a man speaking, Father, nice words with good cadence, but I pray tonight for the anointing of God to be upon every word that leaves my lips tonight. Their hearts would be transformed in the process. Lord, we come ready to receive from you. Come on, and a faith-filled people said? Amen. Amen. I don't think there are many more anxiety-inducing moments in the 21st century than losing your phone. Is anyone with me on that? The fear that you feel in your heart, deep within your heart. Some of you are judging me. Don't judge me. I'm speaking the truth. You're just ashamed to admit it. Um, It's a scary feeling. You feel naked. You don't know what to do. Anyone who was kind of born kind of from 1990 onwards, you know what I'm talking about. Come on. We've, we've only known, this is, like, this is like a new limb, right? You were born with like a third arm. If you came out after 1990, this thing is attached to you. And so when you lose it, it's a scary moment. Now, I'm 30 years old. I'm a pastor. I'm hopefully a man of God, but I still need prayer in this area, okay? So just pray for me. A few weeks ago, lost my phone, and uh, it was after a church service, and Hannah and I, my wife, we actually have to take different cars to church because our, our children, it's, it's a zoo. You don't understand. It's, a, it's an absolute zoo. And so we've got to get them in as close to the service starting as possible and out as soon as possible because it's a, our service is at 4 p.m. and our children melt down at about 5.45 p.m. They go crazy. So there's like a window of time. We've got to get them out of there in. So basically, we do church. We throw them in the car, we slap the door shut, and we say, I say, baby, I'm praying for you. And she takes off as fast as she can go. And so every week after church, we rush the kids out to the van and we pile them all in there. Has anyone here, any parents, have you ever, do you remember the pain of doing up a child's seat? It is literally the most complicated mechanism ever created in the history of humanity. They were designed to break you. They were designed to, you know what I'm talking about? That's the most responsive anyone's been all night. They're, pre- they're really receiving this word. Um, and it's terrible. So we get them in there. We're trying to lock them all into the car. And then this, this one week, a few weeks ago, I, I, co- I got all the kids in the car. And then I went to, I did the old bum slap to see if the phone was there. Right? It wasn't naughty. I was just that one where you're, tr- you're trying to find the pocket. And so I'm looking for my phone. I, re- I don't know my phone. And I think it must be in the car somewhere. And so we're, we're pulling all the limbs everywhere. We're looking around, heads, and we're, you know, there's like piles of crumbs and nappies. I know not in your car that wouldn't happen to other parents, but our car, it gets dirty sometimes. And so, so we're looking everywhere through this car, and we can't find it anywhere. I go, look, I don't... I guess I don't need it for the next 20 minutes. I know, again, pray for me. But we just need to ascertain where it is. So Hannah calls it and we hear vibration coming from the car. And that's good enough for us. So we slam the door and I say, good luck to you, honey. And she drives off, okay? 
And I realized about 10 minutes later, we're kind of, I'm hanging around, we're saying goodbye to people and uh, just, you know, doing the thing after church, after church vibes. And, uh, and I realized that tonight we didn't actually have dinner at home. And so I, I had to make a very, I got one of our, our good leaders. I said, can you please call Pastor Hannah for me and tell her it's urgent. So Lauren, her name was, she said, Pastor Hannah, it's urgent. Pastor Sam needs to speak to you. And she's like, what is it? And he's like, he really wants a double quarter pounder with cheese on the way home. Come on, somebody. So, and it turns out she just left the, the McDonald's drive-thru. Come on, who knows there ain't no better burger than a double quarter pounder with cheese. Let's go. Sunday night. It's a good feed. So, so she's just left the drive-thru and my wife, she's a saint. Can we just agree together that women are saints? Just superior. I don't know how, I don't know how the whole equality thing ever got around the other way because girls are literally... So much kinder, so much more pure-hearted. Anyway, my wife, she does a U-turn, and who knows, I don't know if you've ever seen a mum drive. They drive, man. So she's in the car, and she, whoo, whoo, whoo. she's hooking that thing. So she, she does, I know, I could, I could see it in my mind's eye, her just accelerating and whipping back around, and she goes, i got one more order, a double quarter pan with cheese, a large fries, and a Coke Zero. Now, I don't know why I order a Coke Zero because it's making no difference to the calorie count on that meal. That thing is already out of control. So she goes through and she, she orders the meal for me. And then the kids, Hannah tells me afterwards, they're screaming, they're melting down. And she's thinking to myself, you owe me, buddy, when I get home. And so she floors it. She floors it all the way home. She's whipping around every corner. She loves a good hard ride. Come on, any mums, one of these ones on the steering wheel in the Kia minivan. We bought that Kia minivan. I thought to myself, what's happened to my life? <laughs> I used to be cool. Look what I'm driving now. And anyway, so she's whipping around all the bends. We get home and we're pulling the kids out of the car. And I'm thinking, let's get these kids to bed because I need to find my phone. And so we get all the kids to bed. And, uh, and we, go back into the, we go back into the garage of the van and we start pulling it apart. I said, babe, can you help me? Just one last thing tonight with a burger in my head. Can you help me? And she's like, all right, because who knows men can't find anything. Come on, somebody. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Literally, there's literally no point in these eyeballs. <laughs> you know how some people wonder why men have nipples? I wonder why we have eyes, because we don't use them. So anyway, so have you ever thought about that? It's on my list of questions to ask God when we get to heaven. So <laughs> we walk into the, the garage and Hannah's mouth just drops. And she says, Sam, I found the phone. And I, Where is it? And it was on the roof of the minivan. And if you've ever doubted that God is real, I'm here to tell you tonight he lives. We're going to know also call right now. Just come down the front if you want to know. I gotta tell you, we, I hugged her, there was tears shed, and it was a big moment of faith. It was, it was very powerful. I was very grateful because if you ever dropped an iPhone, you know those things cost more to fix than to buy. It's ridiculous. So, anyway, it was, it was crazy. I say all that to say, it's a powerful moment. It was a big moment. It was an exciting moment. And I think, I think that we love big moments. I think, I think sometimes, particularly in, our, in the Pentecostal church where we love big moments, don't get me wrong, I'm a big moment guy. I love when God comes through in big moments. But who knows that to live this Christian life, we actually need more than a moment. Moments are amazing, but we've got to actually learn how to live in faith, not just to have moments of faith. 
And I say all of this to say tonight, particularly for Highway Youth. Come on, Highway Youth, where are you at tonight? We've had some amazing moments of faith this week. But God doesn't want you just to have moments of faith. He wants you to learn how to live by faith. Someone say live by faith. How do we take our moments of faith and turn them into a lifestyle of faith? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 tonight says this. It says, for we live by faith, not by sight. In other words, our faith is not meant to be something we just have a moment in at a conference or a nice service, but it's meant to be something we get comfortable in, that we live in every single day of our life. It's kind of like the difference between a house and a hotel. I don't know about you, but I don't like camping at all. I know, I know a lot of you probably do. I'm probably speaking to the wrong crowd, but I love a hotel. I love a resort. I love people washing my towels for me. I love ordering food and eating it in bed. I love all of that, right? And you love the hotel because a hotel is an experience. But who knows that you live very differently in a hotel than you do in your home? Like when I'm in a hotel, I drop my towel on the floor and I'm looking ready, I'm looking ready for a freshie in the morning. I tell you, if I drop a towel on the floor in my home, it won't be a fresh towel in the morning. It'll be a fresh slap in the face in the morning. Come on, somebody. You don't treat your home like a hotel. You go to a hotel for an experience, but your home is where you live. God doesn't want our faith to be a hotel that we go to for a nice experience every now and again. He wants it to be something that we actively live in, come on, every single day of the week. So how do you know whether you're just having moments of faith or whether you're living in faith? I wanna teach you tonight how to know if you're living in faith so that every single person, young person or not, can leave this place tonight knowing if you're just having a momentary faith once a week or whether you're living in faith every single day. The first way to know you're living in faith tonight is this, number one, you keep doing things that make you scared. You keep doing things that make you scared. Let's hone in on this story of Peter walking on water for a moment. And we're gonna, I'm gonna highlight some words here that aren't trendy, cool, Pentecostal words, but are very important. Matthew 14, 26 to 30. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it to you again. I'm gonna emphasize a few words here. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were what? Terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was what? Afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out. Three words the Bible uses to describe Peter's state throughout this whole process of walking on water. You ready for it? Terrified, fear, and afraid. Woo, that's exciting. And sometimes our theology, we can't wrap our heads around that. Oh, God would never, God would never want me afraid. Fear is not of God. Now, now there's, there's an absolute truth to that. But sometimes God's going to put you in situations that make you afraid. And He's going to do it on purpose. And I would say this, don't go too long between doing things that scare you. 
Because the last time you stepped out in response to something God was telling you and it scared you was the last time you were living in faith. God calls us to live a lifestyle of doing things that scare us. And I'll say this tonight, faith that's not scary is a faith that's getting stale. When you stop doing things that scare you for God, you've stopped relying on God. And this isn't just a word for the leaders tonight, it's a word for every single person in this room. The moment you stop doing things for God that scare you is the moment you stop relying on God and start relegating Him to a moment rather than living a lifestyle of faith. God has called every single one of us as followers of Jesus to continually position ourselves in such a way that we're doing things that scare us because doing things that scare us forces our reliance and dependence upon God. God wants you reliant on Him and not on you. So sometimes He's going to put you in positions that scare you. I remember the second to last youth camp we ran in Murray Bridge. We just had this amazing camp. It was the best camp ever. It was like we were three years in. God was moving. It was just a revival spirit. People getting saved, delivered, set free, songs being birthed. The leaders are on fire. We're just loving it. And there's this amazing move of God at this youth camp. And we come back and I'm asking God, what do you want us to do? off the back of this camp? What are we gonna do with all the fire that we've got? Because if we don't do something with this fire, the fire is just gonna fizzle out. And I remember saying to God, God, we'll do anything. Don't ever say that. No, say it. Just be prepared for what's gonna happen. God, anything that you need, we'll do it. We're your army. We're core. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me in the worship on the last night, he said, raise $30,000 in 30 days and give it to the church from the young people as an investment in future revival. And I was like, <laughs> you meant do a schools campaign, right, Jesus? <laughs> but we were using the church speakers and the speakers were dying. The PA was busted up. The church was in a tough spot financially. And I knew that we'd been so released and so resourced and the Holy Spirit was saying to me, you're gonna raise this. You're gonna teach for young people how to give, how to sow, how to invest, and you're gonna increase revival. We're gonna, we're gonna sow into this. So we get up on the last night and, and we had a little leaders meeting out the back before and said, guys, God's speaking to us 30K in 30 days. And all the leaders are like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's three kids who work at Maccas and the rest of them don't work. So good luck, buddy. Like, oh, we're with you, Pastor Sam. You have a leaders meeting like that? It's, it's awesome. And so, so we had that man, I walked up onto the stage and I got up and I said, God, he's going to do something amazing in the next 30 days. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to change our city. And everyone's foaming at the mouth, their eyeballs are, oh. We're going to give up all of our money. And we're going to wash cars and do jobs we hate for 30 days and raise $30,000 and give it to the church. Woo! <laughs> but you know what happened? In 30 days, 
250 teenagers, most of whom came from poor, broken families, generational dysfunction, pulled together everything they had, worked for a bunch of jobs that they didn't need to do. They washed cars, they cleaned homes, they mowed lawns, and they raised $30,000 and they gave it to the church and the church got new speakers. It made no logical sense. And it scared me. But you've got to keep doing stuff that scares you because if you don't do stuff that scares you, you'll never see the miracle that's waiting on the other side. Peter got scared, but he also got to walk on water. What do you want? A nice comfy seat in the boat or to be scared and see a miracle? I know what side of history, come on, I want to be on. Is there anyone with me tonight? You say, come on, let's do it scared. Sometimes we like to use spiritual words to disguise carnal qualities. And we actually organize God right out of our lives. But I gotta tell you today, don't organize God out of your life. Live on the edge of faith. Keep doing things that scare you. Sometimes we get too attached to peace. I hear it all the time as a pastor, I just got a peace about it. And now, don't get me wrong, the peace of God can guide us, absolutely. But I've seen a lot of people use peace as an excuse to do nothing. But I say, I say to Hannah all the time, because sometimes people, people come to them and make crazy decisions, and, and it's not God, it's just crazy, or it's just lazy. Or someone else that rhymes with that, it's fugazi. It's, and I just feel a real peace about it, I feel such a peace. I said to Hannah, my wife, before, I'm like, you know what I would feel a real peace about is not running this church. It'd be a lot more peaceful. <laughs> Do you know what I would feel a real peace about when I come home after work is going in my room and just scrolling through YouTube for three hours while you put the kids to bed. I'd feel a real peaceful if I did that. <laughs> Sometimes it's not the peace of God that always leads us. Sometimes it's just His presence. See, see, Peter didn't feel a whole heap of peace while he was on the waves. But what he lacked in peace, he had presence for. We've got to learn how to follow the presence of Jesus into areas that make us scared and afraid and terrified. Sometimes, can I tell you, don't chase peace. If peace comes, amazing. Chase the presence of God into doing things that scare you. Young person, step out for faith in your school this week and do stuff that scares you. Young adults, step out in your university and do stuff that scares you. Mum and dad, come on, step out with your family. Step out in your workplace and don't always expect to feel peaceful. Just say, Jesus, if your presence is here, then I'm willing to go. You know you're living in faith when you do things that scare you. Okay, ready for number two? Something like, nope, no, actually, you've said enough. Let's go home. Sorry, two more to go. You know you're in faith when? Number two, you keep saying things that don't make sense. You keep saying things that don't make sense. Matthew 14 Verse 28, <laughs> Peter says, tell me to come to you on the water. Think about that for a minute. I'm sorry, Peter, do you mean come, come to me in the water? No, on the water. There is literally no other scenario other than faith in Jesus where saying come to me on the water would make any sense. And yet when you're following Jesus in faith, you often will find yourself saying things that don't make sense. I remember one time I was sitting on a plane, I was on my way back from Brisbane actually, 
I was sitting next to this guy, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, ask him what church he goes to. I'm like, well, Lord, we haven't actually ascertained that he goes to a church, so that would be a good place to start. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, just ask him. And I, I didn't see like a sneaky Kurong book bag in the thing or like decipher it. I just, I didn't know. And so I turned to him because I'm feeling so, I, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm just going to pray and try to spiritualize it, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no. So I'm there for about half an hour and I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Let's just see what happens. So I turned to him and I go, hey, mate, what church do you go to? And he turns to me, he goes, I don't go to church. And I'm like, great, fantastic. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that accurate word. And uh, then he goes, but it's funny you ask, actually, because um, I was in Brisbane going to see my uncle, who's a pastor. I said, oh, really, why is that? And he's like, I've been having these nightmares. I haven't been asleep for months. I have this dark stuff coming to me in my dreams that I can't explain. It's been harassing me at night, and I haven't been asleep. And I thought, well... My uncle, he's a pastor, he knows about spiritual stuff, maybe he can help me. But I went up and it turns out he couldn't really help me. I was like, good, good, this is going well. <laughs> I said, do you believe in God? And he goes, oh, like, kind of, I guess, like, that's why I went to, to figure this out. And we start having this conversation, we're sharing this story, and I'm like, tell me about your dreams. And I was like, we're having this, you ever had a conversation on a plane with somebody, we've got to keep it down because of weird chat? So I'm like, so bro, there's these things called demons. It's a spiritual realm out there. It's real. Like, this is real. I know it doesn't feel, but it's real. And you can see the ears of people in front of us, like, <laughs> having this conversation. I'm like, if you want, we could pray right now on the plane. And I believe that Jesus can deliver you right here on the plane, on this Boeing 737 returning to Adelaide. We're having this conversation. And so we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. And tears start streaming down his face. And I go, why are you crying? And he says, I got this crazy auntie. She's really spiritual. I said, oh, okay, why does that matter? And she's like, you never believe what my crazy auntie said to me before I got on the plane. She said, on the plane, you're going to meet the man who's going to be able to help you with your dreams on the way back. And he's like, my crazy auntie was right. See, sometimes God will have you saying things that would only make sense if Jesus was real. But hello, He is. And if His presence is with us, if He is leading us and we are living in faith, then our vocabulary should be very different to people who aren't. My kids have got a crazy vocabulary. You ask my kids, they'll, they'll, when they, they talk to inanimate objects. We drive out the house and Leo will go, bye house. He'll say goodbye to bushes. Bye, bush. He, he, he thinks that he's got an ability to talk for things that are inanimate because he hasn't had anyone tell him that he can't yet. You know what happens when we grow up? People start telling us that we can't speak to things in faith and see them move. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said, if you speak to this mountain, it will be thrown into the sea. The problem is we've learned to speak about mountains rather than to them. 
We speak about the issue, about how hard it is, about how difficult the finances are, about how difficult the relationship issue is. Nothing wrong with speaking about it. We gotta talk about our feelings. But you know you're living in faith when you don't just talk about it, but you start speaking to it. The Word of God says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we know you're living in faith when you say, yeah, I know this is hard, but my God can overcome. Yeah, I know this is difficult, but my God is gonna see me through. Yeah, I know I'm sick, but my God is a healer. Yeah, I know there's no money in the account, but my God is a provider. We can't just speak about things. We're going to speak to things. And you know you're living in faith when you start saying stuff that doesn't make sense. Because the God who is behind it all is able to do the impossible. Which, by the way, is why you should just surround yourself with people who speak faith. If you want to know how to get cut out of Sam Long's life, quickity snip. Snip. Speak fear, speak negativity, speak cynicism. See you later. I want to be surrounded with people who speak faith. Who believe God. Come on, somebody. You've got to have people speaking into your life and into your world. Who speak faith. It's a lifestyle of faith. And number three, the third way to know that you're living in faith, and I can have the keys join me and, and we'll wrap up in just a minute, is this. You keep finding yourself in over your head. You keep finding yourself in over your head. Peter's walking out in faith and he finds himself in over his head. He's drowning. It's like, if God's in it, why is he drowning? No, just because you're going through something hard, it doesn't mean God isn't in it. You can be drowning and be doing what God's called you to do all at once. Trust me, it's called planting a church. (laughs) But Peter finds himself in a situation that's greater than his ability to handle. And if you're only doing things you know you can handle, you're not actually really living in faith. The worst saying in Christianity today is, God won't give you more than you can handle. Show me that scripture. Show me anyone in the entire Bible who was used by God who could handle what God was doing. Just find me one. You won't. It makes for a nice bumper sticker, but crummy theology. God can't give you more than you can handle. Yes, He will. Absolutely, He will. I've got to tell you this. Everyone of faith God used in the Bible was given far more than they could handle. If you could handle it, you wouldn't need God. Some of you need to hear this today. Not being able to handle it isn't a sign that you shouldn't be doing it. It's just a sign that you shouldn't be doing it without God. You know you're living in faith when He calls you to things that you absolutely cannot handle without Him. If you were to do an inventory of your life, if you were to look at your life tonight and how you're living, if God suddenly disappeared out of the portion, would your life look the same as it does now or different? Are you leaning on Him? Or have you set your life up in such a way where it, didn't, it wouldn't even matter if He came through for you or not? 
Young people, are you going to school in such a way that it wouldn't even matter whether God came through or not? Or are you walking in, come on, on Monday going, you know what? I'm going to school with such a level of faith that if God doesn't come through for me, I'm going to be embarrassed. There's something so powerful about leaning on Him. Difficulty is never a sign that you shouldn't be doing it. It's just a sign you shouldn't be doing it about God. I remember when we took on uh, Youth Alive in South Australia, you gotta understand something. We didn't grow up in like a big city mega church or anything like that. Uh, we grew up in Murray Bridge at a church you've never heard the name of and an incredible church, just a beautiful move of God. But, but getting ripped out of that and, uh, and taking on Youth Alive, firstly, we were really shocked that we got asked to do it. We're like, surely there's some cool cat in the city who can do this. Uh, like, surely there is someone with more experience who's got this together, but surely. And I remember the, there was this conference happening and they were announcing that we were gonna take on Youth Alive and everyone's like, yeah, woo! And on the inside, I'm just like dying. I'm standing on the stage and Pastor Andy Harrison from Planet Shakers was preaching and uh, preached this powerful word and it was a great night and he got all the youth pastors up on the stage and he said, Pastor Sam, would you come up and just pray for all the youth pastors? Uh, tonight and so I got up and I'm praying for people and, and I'm sure this has never happened to any other leader in this place but I was praying for someone but I was so distracted by myself that there was words coming out of my mouth but I was really living in here so I'm praying people I'm like God would you bless them God would you bless them I can't do this God would you bless them I should run away God would you bless them this is the worst idea ever God would you bless them please let's move to India God would you bless them I'm just like whatever get me out I can't do this and I'm, ha I'm having this internal meltdown in me <laughs> on a stage of like a thousand teenagers, all these youth pastors. And I get to the end and um, I come back to where I was standing and Andy was ministering and I was standing there and um, I literally just said to God, God, I can't do this. I literally can't do this. I'm not the right one. And I felt this hand on my back push me forward. And I turned around, there was no one there. I thought, very rude, God. Free will, you know. There's no one there. And I, and I was like, I can't do this. I know what you're saying, but I can't do this. And I felt the Holy Spirit say something to me. I'll never forget it. It's a defining moment in my life. The Holy Spirit said to me, run. And I was like, yes, Lord, I will run for you in my heart. <laughs> but I knew that's not what he was saying. He said, run physically run up and down this platform right now. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I felt it again, run, run, run. And I'm having this debate with God in my head. This is all going, you never know what's going on in your pastor's head. They don't look very spiritual, but inside they're like, no. <laughs> Some people are now like, what's Pastor Byron thinking when he's there at the front? You know? <laughs> He's like, amen, you know, uh, but run. I said, why do I need to run? He said, because when you run up and down this stage tonight, you're going to break the fear of man off your life. You're going to stop telling me how I can and can't use you, and you're, stop kind of, you're going to stop caring about what all these people think about you. And so I'm standing there, and here's all the youth pastors I'm meant to be impressing and leading for the next five years. Here's Andy Harrison, a really respected minister in our nation. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, please, No. And I, I thought, you know what? I feel like such a loser right now. I might as well. So everyone's standing there, and he, here goes Sam. 
and I'm going back and forward on this stage. And all the kids, all the heads of the kids are like, and Andy's at the front of his ministry and he's like, I go back and forward and back and forward and back and forward. It was like a ping pong match up there, man. It was crazy. It was Olympic tennis. I get to the end. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me to stop and I stopped. And I felt this glorious presence of God just cover me from my head to my toes. And that night I went on, the following night, to preach that message, fearless, in front of our entire state. And I've never, ever since that day, I promise you this, been afraid again of leading our generation forward to the things of God. Why? Because sometimes God will position you in places where you are in over your head, where you can't see the way through, where you don't know what to do. And sometimes that is exactly where He wants you. Living in faith. And I believe tonight in this room, young people, that this week would not have just been a week of moments but there is going to be a momentum hit your life of lifestyle faith where you're not just living it during the week, but you're living it Monday to Sunday, stepping out and seeing the Lord use you. And everyone else in the room, don't think you're getting out of it. You're like, yeah, young people, that's so good. No, no one here in this room is here by accident. I'm not here by accident. I feel sent on assignment from God tonight to deliver this word. There's some people, it's been ages since you did anything in response to what the Lord was telling you that scared you. And what has been on the young people tonight, it's coming on you. And you're gonna walk out of this place ready to listen to what the Holy Spirit is gonna lead you to do this week. Ready to say, God, I'm gonna live a life of faith again. He's stirring you for it. And He's speaking it to you tonight. Don't go too long between doing things that scare you for God. But keep saying yes. Watch what He does. Come on, all across this place tonight, let's just stand to our feet. I just feel tonight like it's just a moment of surrender for people. Some of you are like, I've had some moments with God years ago. But tonight I need to return to a lifestyle of faith. Some young people here, like, you, you are literally, you are on fire. If we were to touch you, we'd get burned. But tonight God's saying to you, don't leave it in this room. Give me everything you are and leave this place tonight in a state of wholehearted surrender to live a lifestyle of faith. So from the youngest person in this room to the oldest person in this room tonight, we're gonna, we're gonna go youth camp, youth conference vibes here tonight. And if you're saying, God, I need to step into a lifestyle of faith tonight, 
I want you to do something brave for me. Why don't you come out the front? Let's fill this altar up tonight. And youth leaders, I want you to come for young people, pastors in the church, leaders in the church. Can we come tonight and can we pray for any person who comes down the front? Don't make the mistake of relegating this to young people tonight. Don't make the mistake of saying this is for the young ones. No, no, for everyone tonight, God is calling us to a lifestyle of hunger and a lifestyle of faith. So if that's you today and you're saying, yep, I need to surrender to the Lord in this area again, you just come. Let's just make some room here, guys. There's there's a lot of people coming down, so let's just make some room. Just come right around. Let's make room for everybody tonight. Young and old standing together. really feel tonight um, I was trying to piece it together as I was praying earlier today and now I know how I want to do it but um, Pastor Byron and Pastor Ann could you guys come up for me with me is that okay on the stage and I really felt tonight that um, like I know we haven't swapped war stories yet but I know that you guys have had decades of living in faith and you know what that means but tonight I want to see an impartation happen for the young people in particular. But that mantle that you've carried and walked in for this region is going to be just just literally just spread across this entire generation tonight. And we're going to pray for young people in particular and for everyone who's at the front. So if we could do this, I don't know if it's COVID safe, just tell me off Pastor Byron if it's not. But for a moment, can we just maybe link arms or just somehow, just if you're, if you're responding tonight in faith, just join the person next to you. Let's just get as many people connected as we can. And um, I really feel tonight there is an anointing here for the gift of faith to be deposited tonight. And I felt to have your pastors pray over you tonight because I really feel there's something about to be released here tonight. Come on, if you're, if you're even at the back and you're coming into agreement with this, just link arms to the people around you. I know it's a little bit different, but something's going to be released tonight. It's like a corporate gift of faith that's going to drop from heaven upon people. And I'm going to believe tonight in Jesus' name for a moment of impartation to come and be deposited in the name of Jesus. So let's pray in Jesus' name can lead us. Maybe we'll just lay hands on some of these guys and just pray a corporate prayer over these guys. Lord, we worship you. God, as we stand in this time, in this place, this generation, Lord, as we stand at this altar right now, God, we declare in the name of Jesus, oh God, that you are raising up an army in this next generation men and women that are unafraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray right now an impartation of the Holy Ghost and power. Father, we think about those in the upper room as we read about that in the book of Acts. Father, right now I pray over these young ones, these young men, these young women that are rising up in their time. Father, that they would be filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. Father, that you would touch their lips. Father, that their lips would speak of the things of God. God, I pray that they would capture something in the Spirit tonight, Lord, that anything is possible in God. Anything at all is possible. Father, let the Spirit of faith come. 
come upon them, even at this young, even at this tender age, I pray. Let them learn the things of faith, that they can indeed speak to the mountains. Those mountains that stand in their day, this mountain that stands in front of them right now, that they can be changers in their generation. They can be men and women that can change the culture in their schools, in their universities, in their workplaces, in their city, on the Gold Coast, in Brisbane and beyond. Father, raise up, I pray, the leaders for this next generation. Raise up a leadership spirit under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we pray. Raise up, Lord, I pray, those that are prepared and willing to step out of the boat of their day, out of the boat of the culture right now. And Father, go with you and go with you a hundred percent. So Father, I pray, touch every life in this altar, touch every young person, I pray. Let a wave of your spirit rest upon them this day. Let them leave, I pray, this hilltop weekend and know, Lord, that they have met you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Touch every life. Touch everyone. Touch every life. Touch every home. Touch every school. Touch every place that they go. Every place where the sole of their feet tread. Father, we thank you, Lord. Let that ground where the sole of their feet tread, let it be different because they were there. God, we thank you and praise you you and honour you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the generations, Lord. We thank you for the generations. We thank you that the enemy has tried to rob, kill, steal and destroy. Lord, but you have brought life and life to the full. And Lord, we speak that into every heart here tonight, every life, every young person, every older person makes no difference. His life is there and it's full. It's a full life. And Lord, we reach out, we grab that, we take a hold of that, your promise, we apply it, we live it, and we share it. In Jesus' name, what a privilege, what an honour. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on. Come on, young people, right now, I want you to begin to pray. Just open up your lips. Just begin to pray. Just begin to ask the Lord, God, would you use me? God, would you touch my school? God, would you touch our family? Come on, let a sound of hunger, a sound of faith. Come on, begin to rise. Come on, from the front to the back, I see a gift of faith. Rising upon Highway Church, rising upon the generations. Come on, let a sound of faith begin to rise tonight. Come on, pray. Pray. Oh Lord, would you touch this region? Lord, would you touch every school? Would you touch our families? Let's just be 
begin to sing together for a moment. Come on, let's lift our faith to Jesus.